You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you and so i was able to raise close to a thousand dollars within my first campaign and then I put the campaign on the uh, Peloton community's Facebook page and within four hours had raised almost $2,000. So I knew, I knew I've over doubled my goal for the year and I, I still plan to do some fundraising as uh, we move through 2020. Wow, but I was a... absolutely, truly touched. Within four hours, the Peloton community sponsored me to the tune of almost $2,000. It's more than just your output, more than a bike. When you hear your shout out, you know it's all right. Welcome to the Clip Out, episode 139. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Hi. Hi. Hopefully, uh, your bad mood doesn't shine through this week. <laughs> I think it's been like three weeks in a row. Because you've been having a rough time with the project managing and the managing of the projects. And some <laughs> of the things that you've been managing don't want to be managed. Boy, ain't that the truth. And there's been a lot of conference calls about projects and managing <laughs> this is the extent of what i know about what that's you what do. he hears yeah I, I just say things and he hears bah, 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 bah. <laughs> he just knows i'm mad i know all i know is charlie brown's mother was a project manager <laughs> his father was a barber so it had to be the mom that was the project manager right that's true by the way i have no doubt yeah. i don't mess with you and nor and should you peanuts you don't mess with my what? <laughs> so uh, on that note, what do you have in store for people this week? I don't even know. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're acting like we've never done one of these before. Oh, uh, we have actually a few fun articles to discuss. And we are going to discuss what's going on with the stock market. And we have a Peloton profit update and fun announcements, it's like all kinds of good stuff. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts where you can go rate, review, subscribe. And uh, the most important thing there is to subscribe because if you have a subscription, you'll never miss an episode. We'll just pop right up in your feed. And the high dollar consultants tell us that we should let you know that the subscription is free. 
Free, some, free, free. Sometimes people hear subscription and they get worried that that could cost them money. And that's not true. Well, I mean, I guess it costs you the amount of your cell phone and then your data package. Okay, don't go down the rabbit hole. Right, Come back. But okay. And uh, you can find us on Facebook <laughs> at facebook.com slash the clip out. While you're there, like the page, join the group. You can also leave us a review there if you are so inclined. We have a new review. Would you like to hear it? I definitely would. This is where you say yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. No, you're really on it. So are you. Especially with your crabby mood. I know. <laughs> See, now I got you giggling and people are like, that's crabby? What's uh. wrong with him? <laughs> oh, there's a whole host of things. So that's this true. is from Melissa B. Keto. Okay. And she says, I eagerly await Friday so I can listen to these two. They are funny and informative on all things Peloton. Aww. I have the bike and love it. Crystal's love of the tread convinced me to buy one. Ooh. Oh, that means she probably has a tonal now, too. <laughs> she might not like us so much anymore. <laughs> the podcast makes me happy. Or my, she might love us more, Tom. Yeah. My husband, not so much since we now own a tread. Yeah, I, I get that. Her, her screen name is now Tonal and Single. <laughs> So uh, so thank you, though, very much for the yes, review. Yes, thank it's, you. And I'm so glad you're enjoying your tread. I yeah. sure love mine. And what else do I shamelessly plug? Oh, the website, uh, <laughs> theclipout.com, where you can go there. You can sign up for our newsletter, and you will every week get uh, links to everything and uh, all the topics and one handy-dandy item delivered for free to you. Ta-da. It's true. So there, that's everything. Let's dig in, shall we? Let's do it. It's time for news of the Peloton. Let's check in with the stock market. <laughs> oh, no. I'm being the mad money guy. Don't. I'm short and don't, bald. Don't be him. Oh. No. I thought that's what we were supposed to do when we talked about the stock. That's no. all I know about the stock market. Icky. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Market Watch had a story about Peloton and stock gains. Yeah, they did. They said that Peloton shares went up about 7.7%. Percent in pre-market trading on Wednesday after a Wed Bush analyst James Hardiman initiated coverage of Peloton stock with an outperform rating and a $37 price target. They said, based on our analysis of the business model, our expansive survey work of both Peloton users and prospective customers, and our own experience with the product, we do not believe Peloton will prove to be a, a fad, but instead one of a small number of fitness companies likely to be an enduring force going forward. So... Everything we've been saying. Yes. 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 But now some guy that like knows the stock market, whatever. Right. But, you know, great. They need more people like this Absolutely. saying this because it is true. Yeah. Um, and he eventually thinks they're going to get to four million subscribers, three million in the U.S. up from 600,000 currently. So that would be two percent of all U.S. households. That that's, would I mean, that's a lofty goal. That sounds like a lot. It does. Honestly, I think that's achievable. I totally I, think that's achievable. I think it is, too. I would think. If I owned a gym, first off, the snack machines would be amazing. <laughs> but if I owned- would they, I just picture like chicken nuggets, dipping sauce and diet soda. And <laughs> I stand by my statement. That would be an amazing vending machine. So there. <laughs> but if I owned a gym, I would be very worried right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, I mean. Yeah, they are. They should be. We'll get into. We'll get into later about how scared they are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like Peloton is doing to the fitness industry what Netflix did 
to network television and the movie industry. I mean, it's just, you know, what Apple did to the cell phone industry and the music industry. Like, I mean, it's it's going to be a problem. I mean, they'll never go away in the same way that every store or in the same way that every city will still have a bookstore. But you're not going to find them like you used to. That's right. Sure. It's going to change. It's going to yeah. change. If nothing else, what's in the gym will change. Yeah. I, yeah, that too. So there was an interesting article this week in the Wall Street Journal. Yet another article that I found. Yeah. And when I click on it, now it's gone. So I'll have to do some digging on ah, that. Hmm. But it was about midlife crisis. Crises. <laughs> crises. Sure. If you want to be fancy. All right. Right. I was like, I was just going to say right, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it for you. See how crabby she is? <laughs> it's not just me. But I thought it was interesting that they're talking about people, you know, hitting their 40s and 50s and having a midlife crisis, but instead of uh, banging their secretary <laughs> or, I don't know, just reach into the grab bag of my own personal life, smoking meth. Uh, <laughs> personal ex-wife's life. Okay, but it affected me. Yes, I just don't want people thinking you were smoking meth. But uh, they're getting fit. Yeah, they're totally changing it. It's, it's more about like going on meditation retreats and doing yoga. And like, it's about that instead of a wild girls weekend in Vegas. Yeah, that it's like, oh, instead of like, oh, I'll be dead soon. I should probably do something crazy. They're like, oh, what if I did something that made me not dead so soon? Yes. What an interesting change. Yeah. I'm surprised it took that long. And is it even a midlife crisis if you're doing something healthy? Like, yeah, can you even define it that way anymore? That's fair. But I guess I guess it's like people grappling with their own mortality. Does and it, that mean I'm having a midlife crisis? Did Peloton give me a midlife crisis? No, I would say it's the other way around, that you had one, and then this was your solution for it. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So... So you think I had a midlife crisis. Well, that would also mean I think you're going to live to like 78. Yeah. Why are you trying to kill me off, Tom? I'm not. It's... <laughs> fate <laughs> but yeah i think that's interesting that people are like instead like oh let's be proactive i agree i agree very huge shift in mindset that's great but my guess is also that it's probably people that are like happy in their lives right that it's like you're happy if you're happy in your life and you know what clap your hands no if you're happy in your life and you're like oh man like i'm getting closer to death but i'm kind of digging what's going on in, the, in my life I would like more of that life. You would be more motivated to do something healthy. Right. That's going to benefit your life. Yeah, where if like you feel like you've wasted your entire life, that's I think when you go out and do something crazy. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, I just thought that was interesting that that's how people are reacting these days. So so there. there. I found an article. That's what, three weeks in a row? Yeah. I'm on a roll. You are. I'm going to get a producer's credit on this thing pretty soon. Yeah, it's not good pasty. Oh, no. Hmm. <laughs> and the... uh. The Peloton Profit. Yes. Uh, one of their corrections was accurate. Yes. Yet again. I don't that makes it sound like Like it was one in five. Right, but like yet again. Yeah. Is how the I should phrase Peloton that. Peloton Profit has nailed it again. Again. Yet again. And it would be Eric Yeager, new instructor, was officially announced this week. It's a thing. He did his premiere ride this week. And all that took place in Germany on German time. So I didn't get to participate in any way, <laughs> shape or form. But I sure am happy for him. And I'm happy for Germany. Now they have two instructors. So 
Germany instructors are growing. That's cool. Very cool. I heard in their water bottles it's beer. Is that true? No. Okay. Could you just lie to me and tell me it's true? It's true. Oh, thank you. I see. I knew it. <laughs> and They're Peloton Steins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pelon <laughs> Stein. <laughs> and fresh on the heels of that prediction coming to fruition, boom, a new prediction lands on our doorstep. Yes, yes. The Peloton Prophet believes the new Power Zone instructors will be revealed Saturday, January 18th during the dual Power Zone ride. Okay. They also think they know who it is. So I kind of want to say that, but I'm not going to. Okay. Unless you think I should. I don't know. What does the Prophet think you should do? I didn't ask the Prophet this one. Gotcha. So I would be calling an audible. I say call an audible. Well, the prophet feels like the tingly sensation that the prophet gets. Right. Says it's going to be Christine D'Ercole. Okay. There was not a second one revealed to the prophet via the tingly sensation. So I have a feeling that I know who the second one is, if we even have a second one. Right. So all good things. All I know that the Peloton prophet felt really strongly about was that we were going to hear about it on Saturday. Okay. I'm concerned personally about the prophet's tingly sensation. Like, is there some sort of circulation issues going on there? I don't question the prophet. I have learned not to question the prophet. Yeah, I guess the prophet would know. Right. Like, oh, this is a heart attack. Yeah. I prophesized it. (laughs) I should go to the doctor. Exactly. Okay. Just, you know, don't want him crapping out on us. I know. So Adweek had a uh, article about the Planet Fitness anti-Peloton slash SoulCycle ad. Yeah, the bike of shame. A very self-congratulatory article. Yes. I say that because I thought saying self-filating was too harsh. And <laughs> uh, But in retrospect, hmm. so this article really irritated me. Yeah, I would love to hear why it irritated you. Because they were so proud of themselves. This is the bike of shame ad that everybody's been sharing. Yes. And you've probably seen it in the hiss at the person. And I'm like, I mean, first off, to me... The ad reeks of desperation. I agree. Like when you have to go that negative on your competition, it means you don't have anything positive to say about yourself, right? Yes. And But beyond that, it says to me that they have written off anyone who has a Peloton mm-hmm. because anyone who has a Peloton knows what they're depicting is factually inaccurate. Correct. And it is just not true in any way, shape or form. And they have to know that, right? They're in the industry. They have to know that. So for them to take that stance is, I don't know. I mean, it's, it borders on gaslighting. And it, to me, it says, we know we're not getting any Peloton people back. Once they go to Peloton, we've lost them forever. So F those people. Let's scare the non-Peloton people. Into thinking that's what Peloton is. thinking this is what they're going to get if they buy the bike. I, I feel like we need to explain to our listeners that we know that this commercial doesn't look like they're after Peloton because it doesn't say anything about Peloton. Like, we know that. Yeah. That that's not how Peloton is. We know that the, the ad itself doesn't actually depict Peloton. The reason that we feel that this company is going after Peloton is because this article specifically says it. At the end of the year, they actually made a change to they were going with a completely different ad spot. And then all the stuff happened with Peloton's ad with the lady, the Peloton lady, the Christmas gift, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada. 
So they decided to change gears and go with this ad to just kind of pile on to Peloton. Right. And that is why Tom is saying what he's saying. And there's a lot of people that don't get it. Like, they didn't stop to read the article. There's a lot of people that were like, this doesn't apply to Peloton. I mean, I know that. That's my point. That's why I'm so mad. It's rude. It's exactly what you said. It's scaring people who don't have a Peloton into thinking this is what Peloton is like when nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. And so, like, like, that's what really irritates me about the self-congratulatory tone of the article. Because what I think is going on is I think they're seeing their social media metrics rise because the ad is getting shared a lot. But I think what's driving it's, I hate to say viralness because it's, it, it never it's got not to that quite level. that level. But what's driving that, I think, is a lot of Peloton people going, get a load of this bullshit. Yeah. It, and, and people, there are people that think it's funny. But, yeah. but I will also say how hypocritical our entire society is that they will get mad at Peloton for creating a commercial that they added context to in order to make it controversial. Right. And yet we have a completely rude commercial tearing down all of its competitors and everyone's like congratulating them, including themselves. Yeah. They're like, and no one has a problem with it. They think it's funny. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with people? Alphabetically, chronologically. Right. Yeah. By geographical region. How would you like me to approach that? But yeah. So anyway, I'm not a fan of that article at all. I'm not a fan of the article. I'm not a fan of the ad. I don't think that they're succeeding in the way that they think they're succeeding. No. And a lot of people just don't like Planet Fitness anyway because of their stupid lunk bell or lunk meter or whatever it is. Lunk alert. I don't know. I don't go to them because I, I because I have an awesome gym in my basement, yeah. so I don't need to. And I also think it's funny when the ad's like, oh, it's a judgment-free zone. I'm like... But, but your whole your whole ad is about judgment. Yeah, your your ad is judging something. And and also like you ultimately Planet Fitness can't control what the other people in the gym do. Right? So you have no way to guarantee that that's a judgment-free zone. So instead you show people sitting on a bike barely moving their legs and call that a workout. Yeah. I mean, that's also insulting to people who actually want to work out and challenge themselves. Oh, that's great that you don't have anybody pushing you including yourself. If you don't know how to push yourself because you've never learned, myself included, I'm talking about people like me, that that is the best reason to have somebody teaching you in a class so that you can learn to go beyond your comfort zone. If you don't know how to take yourself out of that comfort zone, you're not going to do it. So sitting on a bike and pedaling aimlessly with no thought to it is not good for everybody. Right. That's fine for people who know what they're doing. Great. I don't think there's a whole lot of them out there. There are not. Even the ones that are out there, they didn't start there. Yeah. So everybody had learned somewhere. Right. On a more upbeat note. Yes. The Jewish News had an interesting article. Hey, this is another one you found. Yeah. Woohoo. Look at me. That's four. I'm going to put a little tally board up here. Ooh. Am I going to get a gold star? Maybe. And then when I get enough gold stars, I can go to the store and get a pet turtle? No. Oh. You can't get any pets. Not even pet turtle? <laughs> Don't be sad. <laughs> I mean, if we just stay in this little cage, it wouldn't be... You don't even want a pet turtle. Well, I do now that you told me I couldn't have one. <laughs> well, I know what you're getting for your birthday. <laughs> Back to the Jewish news. <laughs> okay. Thought you were going to talk about it. Well, I will. Yeah, I'll let you. Thanks. <laughs> Dr. Ethan Goldstein vows to ride his Peloton for 365 days. 
So this gentleman is part of our lovely Peloton community, and he is riding his Peloton bike for 365 days, all because he wants to raise awareness for the National Stroke Association in honor of his father. And so he's been doing this because this started in May. And so where is it? He was coming up on the last day already. How is that possible if it just started in May? Did I find an old article? No, you didn't. It says, it says so far, Goldstein has stuck to his gold goal. Although it's hard to find motivation at times, he reminds himself of a quote shared by one of the Peloton instructors. I want you to take this ride for somebody who can't. May 5th will mark Goldstein's 365th consecutive day of riding his bike. It will also be four days after his father's stroke 23 years ago. What an exciting, wonderful way to honor your dad. That's fabulous. Absolutely. And his dad actually passed away in December. So that's probably why they wrote the article because he had already been working on it. And that's probably one of the reasons that the article was written. Gotcha. So we are all supporting you. And if there's anything that we can do, you should reach out and let us know. I don't know that Ethan Goldstein listens to the podcast, but if any of you know him, tell him we are all cheering him on. Yeah. And there's also a GoFundMe that he has set up in conjunction with this where all the proceeds go to the National Stroke Association. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so uh, we'll have a link to that article in show notes and and the newsletter that goes out. And at the bottom of that article, there's a link to the GoFundMe. And uh, I would also like to point out how mature I'm being about all this because I just said the National Stroke Association. Thank you, Tom. That's very, very big of you. Yeah. Hat tip to me. I'm the real hero. (laughs) (laughs) So where, pray tell, are you at in your tonal journey? You know, I am now, I just started my 10th week and I am in my second program. I am on my third week of my second program. Okay. So I'm just about to finish it up because I have four more workouts to do and then I'm done with my second program. Right. And I have gained like 60% of strength. Wow. Nine weeks. That's insane. That is. It's really cool. I'm very excited about it. I love it as much today as I did at the beginning. The same way I feel about you. Aw. So do you still feel like it's you're seeing the benefits of the strength training when you use the bike and or tread? Yeah, I've been trying to work out more. So I'm not seeing PRs because my when you spread yourself out, well, at least for me, when I spread myself out over multiple sports, I don't have as much energy for any one of them. So I just tend to not be as well rested between workouts. Gotcha. Um, so I'm not seeing those PRs. But I also was sick in there for a week and I also, you know, wasn't feeling so great with with my energy levels and I wasn't sleeping. So I just had a whole bunch of stuff happening. So it could also be all in reference to that. This week has been I've been feeling a lot better from the tonal perspective, like how strong I have felt. And I really enjoyed they get on Facebook pretty often or on Instagram, actually, and they'll be live and they'll be talking about things. And One of the recent live that they did, they said that if you are even 2% dehydrated, it can affect how much your strength, how much output you put into like a push Okay, by 30%. Wow. Yeah. You can feel 30% weaker on any given day by being only 2% dehydrated. That really stuck with me. Yeah. You wouldn't think it'd be to that degree. I know. So I haven't seen it as much with the tread and the bike, that same output. Sure. 
But I have started to see definition in my arms, which is very exciting. I have like a tiny baby bicep right there. <laughs> it's like a little baby one. The odd thing is she's pointing to her calf. <laughs> no, those are gigantor. <laughs> those have always been gigantor. Like, why does your calf have a bicep? I don't think this is going well. <laughs> well, if you'd like your calf to have a bicep, they're loving this part of it. They're like, why did we? Can we get him to not be a part of this? <laughs> Just during that part can we? So uh, you can uh, take the commit to fit offer That they've got going on right yeah, now Which is a pretty sweet deal It's only for four more days oh. You have to buy by January 20th That's For this right. to count But it's a very cool deal So you get it And then you do 12 workouts in 30 days And boom You get $250 back That's a great deal It is a great deal And I, I, that's a, a great way to encourage people To actually You know the, People always have the perception That you buy fitness equipment And you leave it alone And don't touch it Now if you're Listening to this podcast you, Then you probably bought a Peloton and You know that not to be true mm-hmm. For you personally You've overcome that But I think that's a great way For people to prime the pump If you will Absolutely So you can uh, sweat it out With workouts from strength training To cardio to yoga And you can learn more About the Commit to Fit Challenge At Tonal.com So remember a few months back Yeah it's been about 18 Okay no, It's those, been a while Those are still months But yeah, yeah. No it had Yeah it's been longer than that as, as I was saying that I was like I think uh, maybe Yeah so a while back, we talked about there was somebody on a movie set. Yeah. And look, they were looking for a tread. They were looking for a tread. And the treads had just started to trickle into the marketplace. There weren't a lot out there. And they wanted one for a scene in a movie. Yep. And they were wanting someone to basically loan them the tread. And they would cover the shipping. And they were desperately trying to find a tread for a movie that they were shooting in Miami. I do remember that. I remember that very well. And so we figured out what the movie is. <laughs> And it was? It was Bad Boys for Life. I uh, went to see it last night at a special screening. And there's a scene in Will Smith's super badass Miami Bachelor pad that's very sleek and the kind of thing only a single guy could have. Because if you had kids, it wouldn't look like that. Mm-hmm. And he's got a uh, a Peloton tread overlooking the, the city on his balcony that he's out running on. And he's even got a Peloton water bottle with the P The letter P, that is. (laughs) Facing the camera. Very, very nice. And it's featured very prominently, like you see him running on it, and then like he gets done running, and like he stands there and has a pretty lengthy conversation standing in front of it. That's really cool. I really wanted them to use my tread for that. Yeah, we live too far away, or I think they would have. Yeah, I was all on board. And I really wanted to meet the actors, and they wouldn't even tell me who the actors were at the time. Yeah. But man, I wanted to. And now I really, really, really wish that would have worked out. That would have been amazing. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Also, for what it's worth, it was a good movie. That's great. If you like the Bad Boys movies, uh, I think this movie is everything you want in a Bad Boys movie. Well, that is good to know as well. There was a, a neat little article on the Peloton blog, I guess it's been two weeks ago. Yeah. About... Best morning routines. Like you said, it was on the Peloton blog and they titled it Breaking Down the Myths of a Successful Morning. And so they talk about all the different myths, like, for example, workout first thing in the morning. And they talk, is it better to do that or is it not better to do that? And basically, it kind of depends on what works best for you. So sometimes that's going to be better for you to work out in the evening. Sometimes it's going to be better in the morning. Depends on your schedule, your family, but like don't hem yourself in. Yeah. Was the bottom line Yeah I think all things being equal They say that you're probably better off to do it in the morning But I th- think the larger point they're trying to make Is that if 
doing it in the morning isn't going to happen and doing it at night is do the one that's going to happen. You know, what's interesting about that is when I got my Peloton end of the year back, it said this year that I was a an early bird and that 46% of all Peloton users were also early birds, right. which makes perfect sense to me. Sure. But also interesting is that over this year, I have really moved away from morning workouts. It's just not working with the schedule anymore. And I don't know if it's because... I change jobs. I don't know if it's a new schedule. I'm not really sure what it is, but I'm enjoying working out at night more right now. I wonder if it's about it not being new anymore that like when you first kind of get into an exercise routine, like you feel like and I mean, I've heard you say this, like if I don't do it in the morning, it's not going to happen. And that now that you've kind of it's part of your regular schedule, it's part of your lifestyle and who you are. It's a thing you do. Now it's it's easier to do later in the day because you're like, well, I want to do this, but I also want to sleep. And so in the past, you would sleep and then just never get around to doing it where now you're like, well, no, I've been doing this for years now. It's who I am. And so you're more apt to go knock it out at seven o'clock on a Friday rather than not doing it at all. I don't know. I hope that that's true. No. I like it. It sounds good. That's my well. If it sounds good and it makes you happy with me, then that's it. Absolutely. We're going to go with that. Let's go with that. But this whole article has all kinds of of different myths like that that you can you can look at and see what works best for you. So I've been finding articles recently. I've been on a little bit of a roll. And we know, Tom. I, Jesus. And uh, but I don't think anyone would be surprised that I found this article. No. They're not going to be. No, because this article is all about the likelihood of a pill replacing exercise. And no, it's not speed. (laughs) No, I was really shocked when I read this because it says that this pill, which is Cestrin, could replace the exercise protein. It actually mimics the same effects as working out. It says that like when you're done exercising, they can see that this chemical is on your muscles. And so they just kind of like they poured it on. Some rat muscles, like in living rats, they didn't just tear open a rat. And and I said the pill's name was uh, Cestrin. It's not. That's the protein Cestrin. Gotcha. So I'm sorry. I said that yeah. wrong. And But that it was like the equivalent of having worked out, even though they didn't, just putting that protein on their muscles. Doesn't that seem impossible? I know. It's like, that's some Jetson stuff it right really there. It really is. And they said that like, that the rats, that they like had rats that they would like run them up a... It was actually flies. It wasn't rats. That was flies. I'm sorry. Okay. They would run them up a... A test tube. Like they they crawled up and down the test tube to get out. Yeah. And they had some that they would train for a couple weeks and let them do it. And so they'd get better. And then they had some they didn't train at all. And they gave them the the Cestrin. And then they were instantly better than the flies who had trained. But the fascinating part to me was they took flies that they had trained and gave them the Cestrin. And they were no better than the flies. They just gave Cestrin. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, think about the implications of that, because people already are so lazy, like they would just never move. Like if you could just take a pill and you don't have to exercise, like you would just never move. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, for real, that would not be good for people. That's (laughs) not good. Like your body is meant to move. You would just I just think that would be bad. Plus, it scares me because this is something that you very well in 30 years are going to hear how it causes cancer. Yeah, that's that would make me wonder, like, is that a concern long term? But they also said that there are some positive uses for it that aren't necessarily to reward the lazy, that, <laughs> like for the elderly or, well, yes, you know, like if, if you have some sort of like 
you know, wasting disease. Or, yeah, you know. I liked their examples. It, it showed me that their head was in the right place. You right. know, that this is for people. They were thinking about people who were infirm and unable to work out in some way, whether it be, like you said, the elderly or somebody who might have some kind of uh, spine injury right. and they can't walk and, you know, their muscles are, are not, they're just not getting the exercise they need. So it would be great for those applications. It just scares me that other people would take advantage of it and not use it in the way it was intended. But that's pretty much everything we've ever done in our entire yeah, society. So welcome to human nature. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a phone number that you put out on the Internet. I did. And said, if you had an idea for someone we should interview, you should call this number and leave your suggestions. And you got hundreds of suggestions but not one phone call. <laughs> I did get one oh, voicemail. One. one. You got one. Sorry. One. Yeah. So turns out none of you guys like to call things. <laughs> That's That was what I learned. Also, you all have no idea how many episodes we have or who we've actually interviewed. Yeah. So <laughs> about 30% of the suggestions were people we'd already interviewed. Yeah. Like I know for real, I'm joking. I know there's tons of you that listen every week sure. and you know everybody we've interviewed. Also, we've interviewed 139 people at this time. Yeah. Not so even we remember all the people we interview. It's, it's a lot of people. Okay, she does. Yeah, I, I, I do. I don't. But it is it is funny. Like it, I had not realized that that much time had passed. I mean, I know yeah. it logically, sure. but um, we got a lot of great suggestions. It's going to take me a long time to sort through them because think about it. 52 covers an entire year. Right. You guys gave me like 300. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to take a while. Right. But oh my God, thank you. Maybe thank you, you should, for all of the... Uh, <laughs> you should plot out every one that they suggested and then find out their ages and then, then do, them in, <laughs> do the older ones first. You think that's how I should do it? Yeah, you never know. But if you guys ever want to give us a call and you can ask a question, you can leave a comment, you can say anything that you would like that we can play on the show. (laughs) And that number is 636-345-5023. Do not worry. I'm never going to pick up that number. So you can call anytime. Yes. Day or night. It's just a voicemail. And, you know, it's a Google number. You're not getting anything private. Like you're not getting a private phone number. So. Yeah, call about anything. We want to start putting you guys like on the show. Yeah. We want to take little tidbits. It'll be fun. Yeah. And we didn't get around to this last week, but uh, Maddie Majacomo yeah. met Oprah. I mean, two of my favorite people were hugging. I mean, I've gotten to hug Maddie. Right. Which was so, awesome. So. So technically I've, but see, I by, hugged him pre-Oprah. By the Kevin Bacon theory, you've hugged Oprah. No, because I hugged him pre-Oprah. Oh. And he, I mean, I know it's cool when you get to meet stars but like he hugged oprah it was a cozy hug yeah. it was not a side hug you know what i mean no i'm just now i'm a little freaked out about this theory because i shook tommy lee's hand Ooh. and so like oh i met you after that yeah does that mean i touched tommy lee <laughs> <laughs> yeah but think of everything tommy lee's <laughs> some good some bad like it's you know got to go with the bad but it's but that's yeah yeah I'm lucky I'm not just like a walking Petri dish. Who was that guy in, in that band that kissed you that one time? Oh, Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah. The like, so, you've, so you've also kissed everybody no, that no, Smash no. Mouth has I kissed. I did not kiss them. <laughs> I was doing a stage announcement to introduce Smash Mouth during that 16-week window where they mattered. And uh, as I'm doing it, he sneaks up behind me and like puts his arms around me and like nuzzles me. 
and kisses the nape of my neck. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it was a little weird. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just here's, saying. So here's Smash Mouth. You play, play that song people want to hear because <laughs> it was before All Star. All they had was Walking on the Sun. Yeah, which was a great song. It was a great song. <laughs> we are digressing all we over the are. place. So uh, <laughs> let's move on. There's a new series from Emma Lovewell coming. Yes. Okay. So this is pretty cool. It's another signature ride. So in case you might have lost track, we've got the Sundays with Love with Allie Love. Mm-hmm. We've got the Just King Experience on Thursdays. Every once in a while, we do like a spotlight on eight with Alex Toussaint. And now we're going to have listening party. So these rides are going to be a complete music discovery tool. So sometimes it's going to be indie artists, emerging artists, deep cuts. It's all over the place. It's going to be very cool stuff. They're going to be 20 minutes long and they're going to be released on demand midnight Eastern on Friday. Every uh, once a month. So this one is going to happen on January 17th. The other cool part of this is that Emma Lovewell is organizing a group ride for this one that she's going to be actually on the leaderboard. So Friday at 9 a.m. So people will probably not even have a chance to listen to this before it happens. Right. She's going to be on at 9 a.m. Eastern and she's going to be on the leaderboard throwing out high fives. Oh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, totally. Well, Emma, if you need any help with your spotlight ride for the monkeys. <laughs> Okay. Give me a holler. So, so it's uh, indie artists, emerging artists, and deep cuts. So I, I don't can give you some deep cuts I, from the monkeys. But it's, it's I think it's new, new. They put out an album just a year and a half ago. Okay. Well, I I'm just telling you, Tom. I don't think that's it. Received rave reviews. All right. Well, at any rate, <laughs> DJ John Michael was also seen helping her put this together as part of his new role with you know because remember yeah, he's yeah, officially yeah. a Peloton totally. employee. So they were working on that together, which is also very cool. That is. And uh, speaking of just little, not little, but rides to keep an eye out for, you're going to have some uh, some Lady Gaga content coming your way, who is rumored to be your new Audrey in the remake of Little Shop of Horrors, which I think is a wonderful choice. Oh, that is a good choice. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I am a little disappointed about the timing of this, but I am super excited about the ride and run and yoga in general. Because all of them take place at times I can't do them. Ah. Mostly today. They happen. So the ride is on January 16th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern with Cody. The run is with Maddie Majacomo, 8 a.m. Eastern on the 17th. And Aditi Shah is doing a flow, um, which is also took place or is taking place today, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Wonderful, wonderful collaboration with Lady Gaga. I am super excited to take those. I will be taking them on demand for sure. And Irene has a live English ride coming up next week. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. First one out of Germany. So first live ride. It was on Hannah Marie Corbin's uh, social media. I believe it was on Instagram. So you can check that out. But it will be Monday, this Monday coming up at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So you definitely want to check that out. It'll be a really good opportunity to check out how she cues, but hear it in English. Awesome. And then uh, finally, uh, the new Athleta line is up. Yes. And this is the one I told you about that had all of our awesome Peloton members. Okay. And we gave a shout out to them last week. Yes. And uh, so they are all being featured on all the Peloton social media channels right now as we speak. And congrats again to everyone. The line looks beautiful. From what I understand, at least one or two pieces sold out right away. And um, it's very cool. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses 
and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, And they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste, texture, size. Yes. None of that with Hero Bread. No, because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs, they have like no substance to it. (laughs) It's like eating air. It is. And Hero Bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread. Like I did not feel like I was giving up something. I was surprised at how big each slice of bread was. Here's the real test of a piece of bread. (laughs) I didn't make a sandwich with these. I just had toast. Which you love because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Checking in with the Peloton community. So uh, joining us today via the magic of Skype phone is Brock Masters. Hey, Brock, how's it going? Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Good. <laughs> Good. First off, congratulations on that name. That's, <laughs> you sound like an action star or yeah, a porn you do. star like or something. Some kind of, some kind of star. It sounds badass. It does. I, I, I have very... Very kind parents. Uh, I have two <laughs> siblings, Clark Masters and Drake Masters. So we uh, we all were blessed with pretty strong names. Yeah, yeah. that's lots of k- k- sounds. Yeah, lots of hard consonants, and it sounds like a like the kind of book that they would have children read in the fifties, like a boy's adventure story. Yeah, totally. Brock Masters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brock, I always start off the podcast by asking everybody how they found Peloton. That's what brings us all together, after all. Yeah, well, my wife and I actually decided uh, several winters ago to get a Groupon to a local spin club. And as our Groupon was coming to an end, we were trying to make a decision on whether or not we wanted to join that club. And that's about the same time that I started seeing advertisements for Peloton and newscasts about this sort of new platform. That would have been early 2015. And so we looked into it and decided to pull the trigger and we've, we've had the bike ever since. 
That's awesome. awesome. That's similar to your story. Very similar. Except for the Groupon and then doing it with a spouse. But yeah. other than yeah, that. The, the, re- <laughs> the, the spouse part never happens yes. here in this house. Well, I got to tell you, getting up and going downstairs was a heck of a lot easier than getting up and leaving the house at 440 on a cold Chicago winter morning. <laughs> yeah, it makes a huge difference. It really does. It's much more motivating to go downstairs, get a hot coffee and jump on the bike within 10 minutes of being up than having to start the car and, and leave the house. I was just having this conversation with somebody today because they were as one of my, my coworkers was telling me how they just didn't understand how I spent that much on Peloton. They were like, you know how how long I could work out at the Y for what you pay for that? And I'm like, but I don't go there. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just had two friends purchase a Peloton in the last three weeks after actually seeing the, the clip I threw up on the group page. So it was pretty exciting. They got motivated and each bought a bike themselves. Did that, they use your referral code? They did. And my wife's got and your wife took really it. beautiful yeah. Lululemon <laughs> pants as a result. Nice. And exactly how that story ended. Oh, hush. <laughs> you don't work out anyway. No. But I know it also wouldn't matter if I did. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I get a you a little, man. Yeah. I get him a hoodie or something every once in a while. <laughs> you, why you, got, you got me a hat at the clearance sale. You don't work out. <laughs> So I know that when you posted on the official Peloton page, as we lovingly call the OPP, you posted about that you have spina bifida. And tell us about that and how that affects you and your life. Yeah. So I was born with a neural tube birth defect called spina bifida. It affects anywhere up and down the spinal column. For me personally, it it, uh, had an effect on my lower extremities, musculature, uh, bone development, as well as my bowel and bladder. And I wasn't actually diagnosed until uh, the age of 10. So leading up to that point, sort of a quote-unquote normal childhood, was on the local you know, kids track and field team, did the long jump. But I always suffered from some bowel incontinence issues, and they really couldn't figure out what it was. Early on diagnosed as behavioral as I got older it was clearly not the case. They thought maybe I had some sort of tropical parasite. And then I hit puberty at a really young age, and it was at that time uh, my feet started to form. And the issues with my bladder started forming. And, and that's when the diagnosis of spina bifida came after an MRI. Wow. Wow. I didn't realize that it could be diagnosed later in childhood. I thought it was usually right at birth. It yeah, just- it typically is. But there are actually a lot of people out there living with spina bifida who may not realize they have it. And it really does cause no adverse effects on their life. I kind of fell into that middle ground where the tethering of my spinal cord was such that when I started growing, from hitting puberty, it presented itself in a very physical manifestation, which was the deformation of my legs and feet. Wow. Wow. So when you get a diagnosis like that, what's the reaction? Is there like, relief isn't the right word, but is there kind of like a moment of like, hey, at least now we know what's up. And Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think for my parents and my family, it was suddenly like, oh, this is why everything has been happening. And then you move into the uncertainty. Well, what does that mean for fixing the issue or managing it? What does our child need to go through in order to have a normal life? Will they have a normal job? Will they be ambulatory? Will they be wheelchair bound? All of those things, I think, go through a parent's mind. And so that's why when I first did put up that post, I opted to get back into track and field and wheelchair racing this year after going down to McCormick Place in Chicago. The Illinois or University of Illinois actually has a large track and field team and a number of their participants raced the Chicago Marathon. And so they had this sort of display, if you want to call it that, set up so that, you know, the average person off the street could hop in a racing wheelchair and and see what it's like. 
And so I was down there with my wife, Andrea, and I said, you know, I, I really haven't done this or been in one of those things in almost 20 years. I broke my shoulder uh, four Christmases ago and had a pretty extensive recovery surgery. And the doctor at the time said, you know, there's a lot of things you probably won't be able to do again, including fairly heavy weightlifting. And so my recovery went well back to the gym. And I thought, well, I'm going to hop in this chair and see if I still kind of got it, so to speak. And I jumped in and, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but riding a bike <laughs> felt like riding a bike and was able to get up a pretty good clip on my first time back in, in the bucket, as we call it. And so the very next day, I said to my wife, you know what, I, I think I want to race the Chicago Marathon. And uh, that's when I signed up and decided that I would raise money for the Illinois Spina Bifida Association. Wow. So what was her reaction to that? Was she like, Heck was yeah. she, or was she, she worried? Oh, su super, super supportive, super supportive. She's always been behind me in my endeavors, both with work and, and physical activity. So she went through a lot with me when I had the recovery. She had to learn how to catheterize somebody. She had to learn oh. how to manage a colostomy. So a lot was put on her shoulders for the initial four-month recovery until I could take back uh, kind of management of my own personal care. And so this was seen as a really great opportunity for me to jump back into something I love. Well, my hat's off to her. She's pretty yeah. badass to be able to learn all those things. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Talk about I, a, a new level of couple intimacy. Yeah. yeah no kidding. <laughs> you know, and I think it was an eye-opener for her as well because she kind of knew what the steps were for me to manage these things. But Never had to really experience them personally. So it, it was that brought us closer together as a couple. Oh, that's a nice positive thing that came out of something that I'm sure was very difficult to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm really curious how you became an athlete. Was it because you were already running track and field before your diagnosis? Because I don't know, I guess shame on me for not having a good it's so easy as a kid. Like I did nothing and I was perfectly able-bodied, you know, like I only did what the gym teacher made me do. So I can't imagine like being like, I'm going to become an athlete and you yeah, have, so, you have a condition that makes it hard. So post the age of 10, I had gone from 10 to 16, probably having roughly anywhere from two to four operations a year to do corrective actions on my, my legs, feet and back. And at the age of 16, I was using a wheelchair quite a bit in high school just because I was always having corrective surgery. And it was actually my father, who is a notorious newspaper article clipper <laughs> and still is to this day. And, uh, you know, he, he came home from work one day and he's like, hey, you got to see this article. It's about this kid named Joey Radmore, who was a Paralympic athlete at the age of 17 and was a champion in his own class. Uh, Joey had cerebral palsy, but you put him in a race chair. It's almost like it magically disappeared and he had won countless events at the Paralympics. And so as a teenager, you're like, come on, dad, that's crazy. I'm not going to go like, just look this guy up in the white pages and, <laughs> and, and, you know, tell him I want to race wheelchairs. And so I actually happened to be going to the, the local wheelchair repair shop to get some work done. And this guy, Joey, was there on a high school co-op. And so I, <laughs> you know, serendipitously got to meet him and, and told him that I had actually heard about him. And he invited me out to uh, the local track to just do a practice with them. And I, I hopped in the race chair and I did one one lap and his uh, stepfather, who was the coach at the time, said, well, we're going to a track meet in Toronto next week and you're on the team. And that was ah. sort of the uh, <laughs> the cutting my teeth in track and field. So this, wow. this was a real passion of mine for years. And as, as time went on, my condition actually started to worsen. And it, and it turned out that I had had some more neurological damage that needed to be addressed in my spinal column. And so I had this fourth operation on my back, roughly about a 15-hour surgery. And I was given a pretty bleak outcome, being told that there was a very high probability that this operation would land me in a wheelchair full time. And uh, to my happiness, of course, I, I awoke 
And I could tell by the smile on my surgeon's face, who was <laughs> predominantly a very neutral kind of guy, <laughs> that things had gone really well. I can't even imagine, first of all, a 15-hour surgery, let alone no. going into that surgery, knowing that you may be wheelchair-bound forever. But I guess it's probably one of those circumstances where if you don't, the opportunity isn't really great either. So Yeah, we knew, we knew the condition was going to degrade if I didn't do it, and we knew there was a possibility that it could halt or possibly even improve my situation if I had it done. So we had a big family meeting at the time. We had a stick shift car. You know, the parents were like, don't worry about that. We have to, we put in a ramp, we'll get, you know, we'll get a manual. All those things were discussed and we kind of, as a family decided it was the best course of action. So after all that happened, that's when I actually really kind of discovered cycling on two wheels and got myself really involved in, in cycling. Yeah. So I guess that's for, if anyone hasn't seen the video, which is probably a lot of people that are just listening to this, how does that work? Like, how do you marry the two? So I'm, I'm in, a, I guess, a unique position where I, I'm ambulatory on two feet. I do walk with a limp, but my legs are very atrophied. So meaning that the muscle tone in certain muscle groups does not exist. I, I don't have any calf muscles. I don't have the ability to stand on my tippy toes. My hamstrings are, are quite small. I have virtually no buttocks, but I have very large quadriceps, so that the front muscle, the pushing muscle. And so what was unique about cycling was I learned how to clip in right away. And I realized, wow, you don't need a lot of those other muscles to marry the motion of going in a circle. And as I progressed my, my cycling abilities, the muscle tone I did have got quite strong. So I've been on a couple group rides and out riding on a I toured with a group called Velo Quebec out of Montreal, Canada. And we did a seven day trip, my father and I, and you know, you meet a lot of people and you're in bike shorts. And I remember one day this French Canadian guy coming up to me and going, how the hell does this work? Like your legs, they're so small. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, Dude, I don't, I don't know how it works. All I know is it does. And I love to pedal. So we were doing a hundred kilometer or 60 mile days, holding speeds of roughly 20 miles, 22 miles per hour. Holy crap. And, wow. and for me, it was just that opportunity to participate with my peers and, and get out and be active. So cycling's, mm. you know, really been in my blood for a long time. And same with wheelchair racing. And uh, this year that opportunity presented itself. I still had my 22 year old racing wheelchair from when I was uh, 17 years old. And so after I opted to do the race or the, the marathon, I actually wrote a, a proposal letter to my company. I, I actually work for a company that manufactures ostomy supplies and continence care supplies called Hollister Incorporated. And I wrote them a proposal and I was very fortunate that they were willing to sponsor me. And so that helped to provide some of the funds to purchase the new racing wheelchair that I have today. That is That's fantastic. Awesome. And so a racing wheelchair, is that like specially made to like work on trainers? Because I was fascinated by your setup. It looks like a bike trainer, but with a wheelchair. I don't. Correct. So please explain because I am not yeah. good at technology, no that, that kind of technology. <laughs> so the new racing chair that I purchased is probably about 85% carbon fiber. The whole setup is six feet long, has disc wheels in the back. You actually sit on your legs, so they're tucked in behind you. And uh, comes in around under 14 pounds. So really light, really strong. The trainer that the chair is on is actually a giant roller or a drum that the back wheel locks into. And it allows you to pedal or push at a very similar clip and cadence as you would be if you're on the street. Is that like a special kind of trainer, though, that had to be that they make specially for racing wheelchairs? Or is it like some kind of it's similar to <laughs> I, I'm just Def trying to picture it. <laughs> definitely, definitely not off the shelf. And I'll make okay. sure that you have a photo that you can share with the listeners. But it's uh, it's roughly three and a half feet across. The drum is probably six inches in diameter. And that 
trainer that I'm sitting on weighs about 170 pounds. Wow. Did you make it? No, no. There's a company out of Quebec, just uh, north of Quebec City that manufactures them, as well as a couple American companies. But I myself am Canadian, so I I went with the Canadian route and and ordered this product up. I thought so. I thought I heard (laughs) and a boot in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, now I want to make my, what, my get outs and what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> say the alphabet. Want, How do you, what do you call it? The A to <laughs> A to Z. Yeah, A to Z. <laughs> I want to make you say you're sorry. <laughs> We've been uh, binge watching Saint Elsewhere. Yeah, because I'm a hundred years old. Yeah, and. Uh, um, <laughs> And every time Howie Mandel has to apologize on the show, he says sorry, and we're we're both like oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> we say like yeah. sorry to each other, like that. Char- <laughs> but his character isn't Canadian, right? So, so it's just it's just funny because it's like the only it's the only word that it really you can hear his Canadian accent, yeah. and it just like it's like they don't address it in any way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Canadian in the show at all. <laughs> it's, it's hard to mask people. People call me out on it all the time at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Around here, uh, people say wash yes. instead of wash. Oh, it drives me nuts. Yes. Yes. I'm from here and it's irritating. Yeah. And instead of Highway 44, it's Highway Farty Far. Farty Far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, everyone here in Chicago has a roof. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to hear the accent we're talking about, if you uh, pay attention to John Goodman. Yes. uh, It sneaks in on him sometimes. John Hamm, it's been beaten out of him. But John Goodman, it sneaks in, especially the the washes. Yeah. If you watch an old episode of Roseanne. I don't even know if he does it so much anymore. But if you watch some of his early stuff, it definitely sneaks in there. So you you just are able to ride a bike normally. You're able to ride the Peloton normally. It is the wheelchair aspect you use that for that's your basis for running then correct so i i can't physically run i'm sure if you put a bear behind me i'd muster up the strength <laughs> to do it but <laughs> otherwise me and running aren't friends and and i prefer if possible not to have to walk long distances i'm a fairly big guy I'm, i come in at about a buck 95 and truly both my legs are about as thin as skin and bones in a couple of areas so cycling really was an opportunity for me to travel long distances under my own power you know, not exhausting myself. So back when I lived in Toronto, I used to go for a 35 mile bike ride every single day after work. Uh, we had some really nice waterfront paths. And so coming up with this this new opportunity to start wheeling and, and to do the marathon, for me, that is truly the equivalent of running. And I started thinking about my training platform and we have the benefit of having the mobile app with Peloton. And so for me, I thought, well, this is fantastic. I got the trainer in the basement. They just recently launched the Amazon platform app got that on my fire stick. And then when the spring hits, I'll be able to use the outdoor running platform to not only track my distance, but then do different sorts of sprint metrics, be able to do different training exercises, as well as listen to great music. You know, to that point, we noticed that on your video, you were training with a bike video. And Tom actually is the one that asked me, he said, is there any reason that you were training to a bike class versus a running class? You know, I I think it's just that for me, cycling is so in my blood that I take the Peloton classes on the bike all the time. And so it it almost would have felt unnatural to (laughs) get on Mm -hmm. and and do one of the tread classes. I I just I love the cycling classes. The music's always great. I've kind of grown to know some of the instructors and I kind of you know think of them as my, my cycling family. So for me, using the bike app was really the way to go. Got it. No, that makes sense. We were we were just curious. So I have a question backing up about your Canadian roots. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious as 
someone who has you know a lifelong medical condition, what makes you leave a country with socialized medicine to come to a country without socialized medicine? <laughs> you know, socialized medicine is a funny thing because depending on what province you're from, things can change from area to area. So, for example, in Canada, you can have your ostomy operation, and that that for me was having a colostomy or a bowel diversion. And depending on what province you're in, the surgery may be paid for, but those products may be either partially subsidized, 100% covered, or totally out of your pocket. So it, it really is different depending on what province you're in. That's uh, I come from Ontario, where a number of things are covered, but dental is out of pocket, vision is out of pocket, and prescription is out of pocket if you don't have a supplementary health insurance program. Huh. Interesting. These see these are things Americans don't know. So totally, um, or at least these Americans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, do they have issues with? Will people go to other provinces? Or do they card you, and if you don't have the right driver's license, they say no dice? Or will people move if one is better based on their personal situation? That could very well be the case. A good example is Saskatchewan has uh, full coverage for catheters if you have a spinal cord injury or spina bifida. So depending on if you were born with a condition or maybe had an injury and don't have subsidization through either your work or workers insurance coverage, you may choose to move to a different province. And they won't fight you on that? They, they won't treat you like an immigrant and say, I, like, I, I <laughs> no. honestly don't know. Like, it's, from no, here, no, like, no, state it's... to state is no big deal. And I didn't know since there's money attached to it. Like, Would it, that be different? Would they, would they put up a fight saying, like, oh, we're not going to take in everybody that has all these special issues? No, no, not not to my knowledge. So that's pretty much just something we do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> He's like, you said it, not me. <laughs> I've been with my company, Hollister Incorporated, now. I'm in my 14th year. I worked with the Canadian team for, for seven years, and I decided that there was an opportunity to start developing product ideas based on my experience in sales. And so after submitting multiple patent applications, I was asked if I'd be interested in moving down to the United States and working in research and development full time. So that was sort of my, my ticket to come down and move to the United States. That's so cool. Gotcha. At my previous job, I worked for a healthcare company and one of our contracted companies was, was Hollister. And um, No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of a small world. Small, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's neat. I noticed that when you said you got into racing, you kind of explained how that got into your blood. But you talked about having a specific track bike. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Do you pronounce a singe? Single track. Just a single <laughs> oh, track bike. It's missing a letter. That's my fault. Single, <laughs> uh, single track bike. So what is that? How is that different from a regular road bike? That's just like going out to the forest and, and ripping through the woods. Full suspension mountain bike. Probably more, more generically put. Oh, well, I was making that way harder than <laughs> it was. I thought it was some kind of special racing bike or something. <laughs> no trouble. Uh, and what inspired you besides just kind of like, I want to do this to sign up for the Chicago Marathon? Like, have you been wanting to do a marathon or was it just that yeah, moment so in the I chair? Was, when I was in my early 20s, I had competed in a, in a sprint triathlon where it was a, I believe it was a one kilometer swim, a... 15 or 20 kilometer bike ride and a 10 kilometer run. And so I did that. I swam the swimming portion. I rode the bike portion. And instead of running, I, I used the race chair. And that was probably one of the last events I did. And so at that time, I, I thought, you know, like doing a marathon would be a, a pretty cool experience. And then, you know, having had the back operation and not being able to further that opportunity at the time, it kind of fell by the wayside. So 
you know, in the last couple of years, the thoughts been in my mind and as my shoulder recovered and I realized that the strength was there, I always wondered if I could kind of get back in the chair. But my old chair being 22 years old, you know, I've put on a couple pounds since I was 17 mm-hmm. years old. So it was kind of like putting two sausages in one casing. And so it wasn't really <laughs> till I got to go down to uh, McCormick Place and sit in, a, in a, a larger seat that I realized that, you know what, I, I still got this in me and the opportunity kind of presented itself. So it was quite serendipitous. A young lady, now a woman that I had met over 20 years ago at an event in Ontario, saw the video that I had posted on Facebook about me at the event at McCormick Place. And her and a friend of hers who runs the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association reached out to me and said, hey, Brock, you know, I, I saw that you're doing this. And would you be interested in, in maybe coaching young kids? And, and I mean, I don't think I waited two minutes to reply. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So it, this all happened within a week. I'm now involved with the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association. They're an incredible affiliation out of the Chicagoland area. I would say I think it's the statistic is roughly 30% of the athletes who compete in the Paralympic track and field come from their their club. Wow. So they are they are a force to be reckoned with. And I'm now having the opportunity to now work with and coach uh, young athletes. Wow. That so that's so like, cool. That's like top tier, man. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a great club and a great club for me to be able to train with as well. They have a number of athletes who compete in the marathon every year. And so I'll have the opportunity once the weather gets better to get outside and start working with the folks who do the marathon. Man, that is fantastic. That's really cool. How do people who might have kids or maybe other loved ones in their family who want to do adaptive sports, how do they get into that? Do they just like do a Google search to find out what's near them? Or are there several places that do that, that work with people who want to do more, but don't exactly know what they should be doing? Absolutely. So there, there are clubs all across the United States. I would suggest looking up the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association. Cindy and her team are affiliated with clubs all around the country. So if you're not in the uh, greater Chicagoland or Illinois area, they can certainly put people in touch with the right folks who can, can set up either loved ones or friends or family with a local club that they can get involved with. That's so cool. And I have a question too about the Chicago Marathon. So when you sign up for a marathon, do you automatically have to like raise money? Do you become a fundraiser automatically? Or is that something you can just opt into? So that's actually a great question. So for someone like myself, who is kind of coming out of the woodwork, deciding to do this, there's a couple ways you can get involved. You can either try and get an initial spot when the marathon goes live. You can enter into a lottery and there's X amount of additional spots available. You can either be an elite athlete and have qualified for Chicago, or you can do what I'm doing, which is opting in to raise money for a charity. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Thank you for explaining that. And so you chose the Illinois Spina Bifida Association, I assume, because that is a cause near and dear to your heart. Absolutely. And I went to McCormick Place. I decided that that was on the Saturday. The race was on the Sunday, the actual marathon. And then on Monday, I contacted the Illinois Spinal Bifida Association and said, I'm going to do the marathon. And then on Tuesday, Amy and Cindy reached out to me about the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association, and I got involved with them. So, it, I mean, it all truly came together within one week. Wow. Wow. And what is your goal that you are trying to raise for the Spina Bifida Association? I was given a goal of $1,250. I put out a Facebook campaign as well as a GoFundMe charity campaign that was specifically through the Illinois Spina Bifida Association. So I was able to raise close to $1,000 within my first campaign. And then I put the campaign on the uh, Peloton 
community's Facebook page and within four hours had raised almost $2,000. So I knew, I knew I've over doubled my goal for the year and I, I still plan to do some fundraising as uh, we move through 2020. Wow, but that's I was a... absolutely, truly touched. Within four hours, the Peloton community sponsored me to the tune of almost $2,000. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's also like, you know, now next year they're going to raise your goal. You probably should have paced yourself a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, fancy pants. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say I, I received a very, very kind email from the association that were just absolutely thrilled to see that I signed up in late November and by January, I had already doubled my goal for them. So they were, they were very appreciative. <laughs> I and bet I'm, they and were. I'm very appreciative to the community. That's awesome. What do they specifically do for people who have spina bifida? How do they help them? What's great about these associations is they are a resource to parents who have young children, who don't know where to go, don't know what's facing them, need to find information on urologists or orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, but also as people get older, they act as a community and help to bridge that gap between the pediatric environment and the normal medical care system. So you can imagine if you spent your entire life as a kid going to the hospital where there's lollipops and clowns and doctors who really care and parents who are there to then turning 18 and hearing mm -hmm. your name and a number in a very cold medical center. Yeah. So they really help with that transition and prepare folks to take on their own care in place of having their parents there with them, and then also provide a community and an event planning kind of environment. For example, next month, the Illinois Spina Bifida Association is hosting an adult night for anyone who is an adult over 18 who has spina bifida to come out and join and watch a roller derby tournament. So they also provide social excursions. That's so cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. great. They do so many things. And so this is not the first time that you have been involved with raising awareness or raising money. I know that you mentioned that you also were a volunteer for a youth ostomy program. How did that come to be? Yeah. So prior to joining Hollister, I had my own manufacturing company in Canada that made, made ostomy accessories. And through the Canadian Ostomy Association, I met a, a group of individuals who every year would put on this youth camp. And so for me, the first time I heard the word ostomy or stoma, I was 15. And, you know, the idea of getting a bag at 15 years old isn't an awful idea. Yeah. And so I, I fought having the surgery for years until I was about 20 years old when uh, after a trip to England and living in a tent and having to manage my bowel routine a different fashion, it became apparent that this was going to be the best opportunity for an improved quality of life. And so when I was 23 years old, I had the opportunity to be a volunteer at this camp. And one of the things I loved about the camp was we had kids anywhere from the age of 8 to 18 who had either a bowel or bladder diversion. But the camp also took in kids who maybe needed to have one of these surgeries, but were very reluctant to have it. So they had the opportunity to see other kids, peers their age, running around, having fun, going on the water slides, you know, doing high ropes courses, mountain biking and doing all these activities, swimming in a pool and not being held back by their condition. So I really thought for myself, had I had that experience, I probably would have had the surgery a lot younger. And so I was very fortunate that I get to volunteer one week every summer for just over a decade. What a fantastic program. Totally. That's really amazing for kids to be able to see. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you for doing that. Yeah. What a great oh, program. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. And again, if there's any listeners who have friends or family who have young children who have an ostomy or a, a bladder diversion of some kind, they can look up the United Ostomy Association of America's Youth Rally or the United Ostomy Association of Canada's Youth Camp. Those are both two fantastic programs 
they work to raise money to help fly out kids whose families maybe can't afford it. These kids form bonds for life with peers who, you know, understand what they're going through and throughout their youth into adulthood remain very close friends and, and a support network. That's very powerful. Absolutely. How was that when you finally pulled the trigger on that? Was that once you kind of got on the other side, were you like, oh, I'm, I should have done this sooner? Or You know, I'll, I'll be very frank and say it, it took a good six months to really realize that this was the right decision to make. And like anything, you know, change is a challenge. And sure. as adults or even teenagers, you know, you, you forget what a pain in the ass it was for your parents to toilet train you as a kid and that you hated it. And it's kind of the similar process. This is a new experience and you have to learn how to manage it. But I think once someone emotionally adapts to having this operation, they realize that it's really not a limiting factor to their ability to lead a fully enriched and fulfilled life as a person. I would imagine it's a process of, honestly, it sounds like a process of mourning because you're you're mourning the loss of your control of your body in a way. And so I can see that that would be very difficult to wrap your head around on an emotional level. That makes a lot of sense that you have to kind of go through a process. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, part of that too was cycling. You know, I started to realize that this wasn't going to hold me back. I was worried about leakage. I was worried about skin health and all of these problems. And you find the right products that meet your needs. And, and certainly for me, that was within the, the family of, of Hollister. So it was, again, serendipitous that I ended up coming to work for them as an organization. But these products provide me the full ability to live my life to its full potential. And for that, I'm very grateful. So was that just a coincidence that you ended up working for them? Or were you kind of already traveling like in those circles and you just kind of fell into it? Or how did that come about? You know, it's funny. I, as I mentioned, I had my own company and, and I was having some differences of opinion with, with my business partner. I'd been traveling to different trade shows around Canada and, and the folks at Hollister were always so kind to me. I was a party of one at these events. They'd invite me out for a drink. They'd have me sit at the table with them. And I had said to my father at a young age, you know, if I ever went to work for one of the big manufacturers, the only one I would consider working for was Hollister. And, and sure enough, they approached me for a job in Canada and I sold my organization and, and joined them without thinking twice about it. Wow. That's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah, you, that's unbelievable. That was that was 14 years ago now. Wow. wow. You know, it's funny. It's kind of seems like your whole life has kind of been affected by this, but you've also found ways to not only kind of process it emotionally, but then give back to other people who it seems like, you know, they might be struggling with it. I It seems to touch every part of your life is what I'm trying to say. It really does. And, and you know, as you move forward and you, you see people who have either had something like an ostomy or a spinal cord injury and, and need to use continence care products, I think the one thing that helps people recover both physically and emotionally is sport and physical activity. And so for me, this was a great opportunity to get out and share that message with people. For example, for the Spina Bifida Association, I do believe I am probably one of the first people who's fundraising who is also someone with Spina Bifida who will be racing on behalf of their organization. So I'm very excited about that. And, I, and I'm very grateful for Hollister themselves to provide me with a financial donation to buy money racing wheelchair. Yeah. So how can like our listeners help out that maybe didn't see your post originally? How can they chip in or take part in some capacity? If they're interested, I would, I would really encourage them to look up both the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association and look up the Illinois Spina Bifida uh, Association. These are two phenomenal organizations who are dedicated to the embetterment of people living with disabilities. And the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association, their motto is no one left on the sidelines. And I think that's a very powerful model. 
I was absolutely blown away by the, the comments and people telling me how inspired they were when they saw <laughs> me on the roller doing a, a Peloton class. For me, that's just second nature. And, and some of the comments from folks saying how inspired they were, and they would remind themselves of seeing that anytime they felt lazy and didn't feel like getting on the bike. Uh, it, was, it was very moving. Yeah, I bet. And I, when you said how much you like that model, I'm like, well, clearly you seem to have built your life around it. It's certainly something that, that was near and dear to my heart far long far before I heard them ever say it. So I'm very fortunate to be a part of their organization now, and I'm, I'm excited to be training with their team as we lead into marathon season. Well, and if you send us those links, we'll make sure and post them on our Facebook page just to make it easier for people to find so they can help out if they would like to. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll put in a plug for Hollister as well. If, if anybody out there has an ostomy and is having issues with their skin health, it's the number one thing to ensure that the products stick to you. And, and we have some great products. So you can contact Hollister.com or look up our 1-800 number. And we have a great team of specialists here who can help you get the right products to live your life to the fullest. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So what is your leaderboard name? My leaderboard name is kind of silly. It's Chubbs and the Pug. Um, <laughs> I, I found but... this ridiculous meme on the internet and it was a guy kind of like a hipster looking dude. And he's wearing a picture of his pug dog and sitting in his lap is his pug dog wearing a t-shirt of his face. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't let this picture go. I didn't know what I would do with it. If I would make a t-shirt of these guys in their t-shirts and it was right when, right when we got the Peloton. So I had to, pick it up and my name is Chubbs and the Pug and I, I got a couple head shakes from my beautiful wife but I, I, I think it's grown on her. I know my first thought was like was that like the Canadian version of BJ and the Bear? Like that's it's funny I was yes, thinking it's, it's my FM radio name. Right. <laughs> I was thinking of uh, that show Jake and the Fat Man yeah. <laughs> that the dog and that guy named I don't remember what the guy's name was because nobody cared because the dog's name was Jake. Right. <laughs> That's what I thought of. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you have any advice for people just entering the world of Peloton? Yeah, I think the number one piece of advice is take it easy. If you're new to cycling or you're new to Peloton, take the introductory classes. Don't dive in on a 45-minute hit ride (laughs) your first day (laughs) on the bike. Take the introductory classes, get to know the bike, get to know how to set up your positioning properly. Make sure that you're doing that so that you're avoiding joint pain or stress on your muscles. And be sure to stretch when you get off the bike. You can't perform properly the next day if you don't take care of the moment you're in. So be sure to have a good warm-up and a good stretch after your each and every ride. All excellent advice. Yep. That's amazing. So I want to make sure that people can find you on social media because uh, they're going to be very curious about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can, you can certainly look up my Instagram handle. It's uh, Brock Ness Monster with two R's. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and I worked with a gentleman and every time he'd walk by me at the office, he'd always yell out Brockness Monster. And so I tried, I tried to pick up that name on Instagram and somebody already had it. So I'm Brockness Monster with two R's. But you'll see a lot about wheelchair racing. You'll see a lot about cycling. You'll see a lot about food. I actually trained to be a chef prior to switching careers and getting into healthcare. And uh, you'll see a little bit about cars. I'm not one to fix up cars, but I am one to paint cars. You'll see some of that stuff, too. To paint cars? Yeah, I bought my, you know, you can't buy your youth back, but you can buy the car you drove when you were younger. So uh, (laughs) a couple years back, I bought a 1999 Mitsubishi Eclipse because that's what I had back in culinary school. And when the car showed up, I bought it sight unseen from Florida. The car was in good shape, but the paint was horrific. 
And so as I started looking into what it would cost to paint the vehicle, it was actually going to cost me more to get the vehicle painted than than I paid for the car. <laughs> and so I started looking into my options. And uh, there's this, I'll give a plug to somebody else out there. There's this incredible company based out of Florida called dipyourcar.com. And they sell kits that allow you to paint your own vehicle at home with a peelable automotive paint. What? Yeah. You just so blew my mind. It sounds like a wrap, like a car it, wrap. It, it is a wrap, but it's a spray car wrap. You tape the car off in your home garage. You spray wrap your vehicle. It takes about two and a half hours to tape the car. It takes about two hours to paint the car. And in less than a full day at the office, you have a different colored vehicle. Whoa. Wow. Why and is that not everywhere? What, I don't know. It is. It is. It's amazing. You, you'd be absolutely shocked to see how many people do this. Really? So, yeah. For those of you out there, check out dipyourcar.com. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. I'll be Googling that. <laughs> I'm going to put some flames on my CRV. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then when you get made fun of, you can peel them off. Yeah. That's exactly what I would do, too. <laughs> that is exactly I what I do. feel great shame. And, <laughs> Temporary and tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us, Brock. We appreciate it. Oh, guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to speak both to you and to the Peloton community. They love you. And everybody is going to really enjoy hearing your background, you know, because you're amazing pictures, videos, like they're so overwhelming to see something being used. You, nobody's seen these racing wheelchairs on a, a trainer <laughs> before. Like you're blowing people's minds. So everybody's going to be funny super cause, curious. Cause to me, it's so normal, right? Growing up with this in my life, it's so normal. And so for the community to reach out and say like, what is that? How, how does that happen? Where, where do you get those? I have a friend who's in a wheelchair. Where can I set them up with that? That to me is the best part of this. People in a community working together, elevating each other, getting away from all the, you know, the BS that can come along with social media. And instead of trolling each other are truly being supportive of one another. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And on that note, good luck on the Chicago Marathon. I have no doubt you will crush it. But uh, good luck. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate this time today. Thank you. Thank you. What, pray tell, do you have in store for people next week? Next week, we are going to talk to John Pruitt. Is it Bania or Banya? How do you say Banya. it? Banya. Banya. Kenny yes. Banya. And just so you guys know, make sure you put the freaking underscore in between those two because it's, I forgot it earlier this week. <laughs> I'll never a, forget the underscore again. Kerfluffle. Woo. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely want to check that out. Awesome. So uh, they have that to look forward to. Until then, where can people find you? People can find me at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, on the bike, and of course the tread at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Uh, you can find the show online at facebook.com slash the clip out. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, check out us wherever you get your podcast. Be sure and subscribe. And go to our website, theclipout.com, sign up for the newsletter and get all sorts of uh, emails and link. Not all sorts of emails, but a link with all sorts of... <laughs> ah, God damn it. <laughs> get an email with all sorts of links to the things we talked about this week. You've heard me say it a million times. You know what I'm saying. Shut up. <laughs> so that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. And running. 